0: me peace. Yeah, i love to, I love Football Sunday. I love that they put this out and we get the opportunity to hear some stories and get glimpses into the lives of folks that we see on a national stage and kind of remind us that these are normal people, right, that go through similar experiences. It's great to see you today, whether you're online, well, hopefully it's great for you to see me because I can't see you if you're online. But uh, it's good to know that you're there connecting, and I was able to see some of the comments. So nice to know you're there. And good to see everybody here today. We're going to sing a song here to kind of close out our time in just a minute. But I wanted to talk about, for just a second, the kind of reality of what some of these stories can do in our hearts and our lives. I'd I love to hear those stories where it, everything turns out, in the end, wonderful. Right? I mean, there's something about that that's super encouraging, that, yeah, like, absolutely like, everything turned out great, you know. I didn't, I didn't get to play in the Super Bowl, but I won the Super Bowl. I still got the ring. Like, that's awesome. Way to go, Carson. <laughs> Can't relate to that. <laughs> and I love this passage that, that the folks who produced Football Sunday for us this year used about being unshaken. And I think it's very powerful for us to kind of cl- claim that and hold it. And, but there's a fine line. Right? Between holding on to a passage like that and and being encouraged that I cannot be shaken, to then all of a sudden examining the reality of my life where I feel completely shaken and completely rattled by what's happening around me. And now I move from like being encouraged to wondering, is there something wrong with my faith? Like how, how come I can't feel that way? How come I feel shaken? How come I wonder where God is in all of this? let's face it we're in a season where most of us if we haven't we know someone whose lives have probably been altered forever by this pandemic life has been changed the ground has shifted the landscape has moved and we now are looking at a very different world you know i can think of in our church alone over these last few weeks we've stood with you know people we love and care about that are part of our church as they've said goodbye to their mom their dad. This week, we'll stand with a family who will mourn and grieve and say goodbye to a two-year-old who died in a terrible, tragic swimming pool accident this year. And we'll stand with them, and we'll smile, and we will cry, and we'll be together. But how do you not say, I'm shaken by that? Like, how do we just quote a Bible verse and put a smile on our face, when if you're that family, like, the truth is, no, that that shakes you a bit. And it's important, I think, that as people of faith, we own that, we honor that reality, that we don't have to have a Bible verse that says, I won't be shaken if we're not in the middle of being shaken. And there's a danger that happens when we just hold on to what we dream life to be, and what we wish life was, and what we even sometimes say, well, if I if I do everything right, and if I pray, and if I believe in God, then these things won't happen. But that doesn't seem to me to be reality. I think of the Apostle Paul, who wrote what we call most of the New Testament. Uh, the Apostle Paul, we, we, heard, we hear the story, we start this amazing journey with this guy who is on track to become like a national figure. Uh, you have to think of like Paul really is kind of the up-and-coming politician who everybody looked to, was probably going to be one of the leaders of the nation of Israel, was going to have all kinds of political influence, all kinds of power, all kinds of leadership. And then one day he has an encounter with this disembodied voice in the sky and says, why are you persecuting me? And it changed his life forever. And he began to follow this voice. He began to follow this Jesus. Jesus. And when he began to follow Jesus, his life kind of switched from prestige and power and prominence to prison, to being arrested, to being flogged, to loss, to being shipwrecked. (laughs) In fact, the the end of uh, Acts, this book we have, in Acts chapter 27 and 28, we find Paul on his kind of journey to Rome, where tradition tells us that he might have been martyred for his faith because he wanted to proclaim this Jesus to Rome, to the emperor. And, but Paul is shipwrecked, and he's in the midst of this storm. And, and in the middle of the storm, like Paul has the wherewithal to offer leadership to those who had captured him and had imprisoned him. And we read letters that he wrote when he was in prison, chained to guards with who knows what going on in his prison cell. Like, there he is in the dungeon, and he's writing letters encouraging people And this man who had been arrested numerous times, who had been flogged numerous times, who had been abandoned by all the people that he valued and treasured, his whole life had been turned upside down for this person of Jesus and this message of the gospel. He has the audacity in the midst of all of his loss and all of his suffering to write these beautiful words, I have learned how to survive in all circumstances. Whether rich or poor, whether hungry or full. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't doubt that in the midst of a a storm that's raging and a ship that is going to be sunk, that there's not a bit of a freak out in there. I mean, it'd be foolish for us to think there wasn't. And I can deeply respect what Paul writes when he says he's learned to to survive and live in all those circumstances because he's been in those. Like that's a faith that is real and genuine that doesn't say, well, you'll never have these hardships. And so there's always that tension in our lives of to be, to be unshaken in some ways means that I am shaken, that I can recognize it and I can honor it and I can hold it. And I can hold the moments when you're shaken too and the moments when you're feeling at odds with this whole thing of faith. And I can be there present in that. And I don't have to offer some like cordial pie in the sky, you know, religious catchphrase that has no meaning in the midst of everything around us shaking. And there's something about Paul that just intrigues me that he's able to recognize and and proclaim God's goodness in the midst of all of that. And I've kind of come to this space of recognizing that there's something so powerful about the goodness of God, but it's not what I thought it was growing up. It wasn't this thought that God was good and could do whatever God wanted to do, could change whatever God wanted to change, that God was this all-powerful, Right, but God had a plan and only God knew to come to realize that God was good because God had things under control when things are out of control. Because the God that I see in scripture and the God that I see in this world in my real life lived experience is not a God in perfect control of all things. There's just too much pain and suffering for that to be the case. But to recognize that God has things under control because in my pain and in my suffering and in those moments of feeling shaken, there seems to be always a provision of love. And in my own life, as we were coming here to Colorado, uh, we thought this was going to be this great new chapter, this wonderful season for our family and for our immediate family and for our extended family. And this was supposed to be this celebration of, you know, 20 years of our lives in one area of the country and the next 25 years of our lives doing ministry and work in this space. And we kind of felt like we had hit the jackpot and like we were super excited and, and we, were, we had made our checklist, of all of our like our bucket list of here's the things we want to do before we leave New England. And I feel like I haven't left New England because there's so many New England Tom Brady jerseys showing up in the building today. It's it's like I'm just right back there, you know. Um, but we were, so as we're, we're, we're on our bucket list, and one of our bucket lists was to go back up to Acadia National Park where we would camp every year and spend a week with friends. And we were doing that, and we were out on a beach walking Uh out on the ocean there in the bay, and we got a phone call that uh, Wendy's father had become, had received a really terrible, awful diagnosis, and that uh, we weren't sure what it meant. We didn't know what it meant for his life. We didn't know anything. And so we started to get a little shaken in that moment. And over the next few weeks, we would come to learn more and more and realize that uh, we really were not guaranteed a day. And we were away. They lived in Indiana. We were in Maine. And, and we kind of came to this decision the week before was our last Sunday, you know, the party. If you're in, like, Churchville, you spend a decade or so at a place that'll have you. It's pretty fun. And, and we were looking forward to this last Sunday, and we were going to celebrate with our friends, and we had a reception that night, and you get to hear all the stories about how wonderful you are, <laughs> all the lies you have to tell, you know, they have to tell when you leave. And and we were going to have this like moment of closure. But as the week kind of came in, it became clear that this wasn't a good idea for, for, for Wendy to, to stay through this. And so we made the decision to, for her to fly and get home to be with her dad as soon as possible. And I was going to stay and do the deal on Sunday with the kids. And then we would, we would start making our way out there middle of the following week, get everything packed up and be together with them. So we had, uh, we just kind of had a sense of urgency to pack and, and for some reason just felt like, you know what, we need, to, we need to get going on this. So Wendy on Saturday morning, I mean, this was, we were just making these decisions, split time and we, so Saturday morning or on like Thursday of that week, we decided, okay, you need to fly out. We got her a flight for Saturday morning. She flew out Saturday morning. We were, we decided on Saturday afternoon, we don't know what's gonna happen. Let's load up everything. Let's just pack up the whole deal into the pod and just just be ready in case we need to leave sooner. And so as we were packing up that evening, a uh, few things left to go. I got a frantic phone call from Wendy that there had been a massive uh, health event with her father and that she had, he had passed away. And uh, you know, in that moment, like you write this story. Gosh, I don't want to. <laughs> I thought helping. I thought it would help telling the story once. <laughs> um, you write this story of what it's supposed to be, of what this next season of your life is going to be like, and then there's a moment that happens, and they don't realize how much it will change it until you're in it, right? And so in that moment, like, it just sent everything into a spin, right? We just, I didn't, I mean, I didn't know what to do with myself. Uh, we packed up everything and just made the decision that we were going to leave right after the Sunday morning services. and. Uh, we ended up sleeping at our neighbor's house that night because we had no beds, we had no nothing. Wendy was gone, I had the kids. I didn't really know how to be a dad in that moment. I didn't know how to be a pastor in that moment. I didn't know how to be a husband in that moment. I didn't even know how to be me in that moment, like, just helpless. Uh, and, uh, and so I just remember lying there in this foreign bed in this room and just, what do I say? Like, what do I do? I don't even know how to get through tomorrow morning. I don't know, how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna speak twice? get out, do this, and uh, so we did that, and, and then we got in the car, and we just left and went through the week of just preparing to celebrate his life, and, and then just like everything, it was just not the story that was supposed to be written about a new chapter in life. It wasn't supposed to start like that. Wendy and I started on totally different pages here. I had been here for basically two months, three months, had started to get to know some people, and then Wendy comes in deep grief. We're in totally different spaces as, as a couple now and in a new space, in a new environment. And, and to this day, there still are these things that happen that, that we know that uh, my father-in-law would have loved. He hated New England. Oh, he hated it. He would have loved Colorado. It's just you're his kind of people. New Englanders weren't. <laughs> and so there's all these things that we have that we had never thought that we would, ha- we would go through grief again and again and again and over and over and over and over. And I I would be lying to say that that doesn't shake you, that doesn't, you don't have those moments where you just question and get irritated and frustrated and angry and hurt. And I still, but I still feel drawn to a passage like this, that I won't be shaken. Even when I'm in the middle of being shaken, I try to tell myself I don't have to be shaken because the Lord is at my right hand. But I've also come to know that the Lord is at my right hand, not in some, like, Pardon me, but in some like ghost weird spiritual way, <laughs> disembodied way. But like the Lord is at my right hand as people have come alongside and just loved us. And it's overwhelming that reality and that's what it means to be the body of Christ right that's what it means to be the hands and feet of God in this world so people can say I won't be shaken because the Lord is at my right hand because there have been folks like Gwen and Jim Sturgis who have just been like grandparents to my kids in a way And, and people that have just understood and loved and in the midst of a pandemic and and that's the desire of my heart for all of us as a church that's what it's about. It's not this, right? It's not gathering here on a Sunday morning to, to be here because God needs us to be here. It's, it's the being, the hands and feet of God to one another. That's how I read and how I understand faith. It's the only way I can make any sense of it, that it's the person who decides to sit next to me and, and love my kids and be my friend and allow me to be at a space where I can't pray, but they'll pray for me when you walk through those moments, that's the goodness of God. That's God having things under control when life's out of control. That's, that's the per- pervasive nature of love. And, it's not, and God is not disembodied. He's embodied, God is embodied in those moments where we do this for one another so that we can say we won't be shaken. We'll be there together. So we're gonna sing this song, The Goodness of God. And before we do that, I thought it'd be good for us as a congregation to just pray as a group of people, if you're tuning in online. We just pray for a family in our church that needs the embodiment of God in us right now. So the Coleman family, um, two years ago, the Colemans had twins, and those twins were born four months early, one pound each. And over the past two years, they've gone through 16 surgeries for these little kiddos. They've walked through and are in the midst of massive financial trauma, emotional trauma, pain. And, and Bear, uh, who's two years old, this Thursday is having a massive 10-hour surgery of cranial reconstruction. And uh, boy, it's a lot for this family. And I am so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for our church, who is generously giving of time, talent, and treasure, because we have a special needs room that's available, and Kristen and her family have been able to bring Bear and Lux, these two little ones, to get the care that they need so that they can be encouraged in this presence so those kiddos can be loved, and we could learn these stories and then be together. It matters, it really does matter when we give of our time, talent, and treasure for this type of thing. And so Kristen was up here with Bear Uh, during our first service. If you want to, you should go back and watch it. She shares a little bit. It's super sweet. And you can watch that online. But I thought it'd be great for us to pray uh, for this family. Because I got a feeling that there's going to be some some times in their life, and there have been, where they can't pray. They don't want to (laughs) pray. They're just exhausted. And they're going to need us to do those things for them. You know, And I think that our prayer ought to be that God would inspire us to be the hands and feet of God for them in this season, right? And, and that and God would inspire us to do that for people all around us that you might know that are going through circumstances like this. And so as we pray, I want to pray for the, the Coleman family, but I also want to pray for you. I'm not a big fan. I don't think comparing our suffering gets us anywhere, right? So the point is not you're going through what Kristen and her family's going through, but I'm just curious today if If you're watching, tuning in, or if you're in the room, and and you might be going through a really difficult situation right now in your life, could be related to COVID, could be related to something completely different, but you'd say, I'm in that same space. Would you pray for me today, Ryan, too? Would our church family pray for us? Would you just be brave enough to raise your hand and say, yep, I'm in that space? If you're online, just type in the comment section, that's me. Yeah, there's a hand there over here. Anybody else just say, man, just pray for us. I'm in that. That's me. Back there in the back. That's awesome. If you're online, just type that's me. And I think there's something powerful about us just in faith, just doing that thing, just making ourselves known, putting it out there. It's a statement of trust. It's kind of like, yeah, and I believe that this matters, that this will, this will bring hope. So let's take a moment and pray, and then we'll declare and sing this song, the goodness of God. as a a statement of faith for ourselves. And we'll sing it for those that maybe feel like they can't sing it right now because of what they're going through. Father, thank you for your word that brings us encouragement. Help us to rightly use it for such moments like this. And God, for those of us that are in the midst of a a blender, so to speak, we're just being shaken around and tossed and turned, and we're in the midst of the storm, and, and we don't know that we won't be shaken at the end of this Lord, would you be present in in our lives through one another? We pray for the Coleman family this week, for the doctors, for for wisdom and guidance in this surgery. We pray for success. and, And we ask that you would be found in their presence in the midst of it through us. We don't want a disembodied God. <laughs> we want an enfleshed God experienced through one another in this moment, in their life. And for those others that have raised their hands, Lord, would you inspire those around them to be your hands and feet? Would you inspire those of us who would interact with one of the, that we wouldn't be afraid of people's pain, that we wouldn't be afraid of people's difficulties and hardships, so we wouldn't take it upon ourselves to have to do everything and fix everything, but we would just be present at their right hand so that they might be able to say, the Lord is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. We believe, God, in faith that love is good, that love conquers all, that you are love, And that love invites us into relationship. That love does not control, but love has things under control when life is out of control.